Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. All right, so let's jump in. Uh, Go to Genesis chapter 22. We're in week three of this is our God, where we are taking a look in Scripture at the names of God and how they represent his nature and his character and um, how he introduces himself to the saints in Scripture, but then also how people experience him. And and we've made this statement that um, when Yahweh is known, Yahweh is trusted Um, trusted more. And when Yahweh is trusted more, he is sought to be trusted. And what that means is as we come to know who God is, um, his nature, his character fully, then we know that we can trust him. And as we trust him, we put ourselves in positions to where we have to trust him more. We're not just re- like relying on our strength and our wisdom and our provision and what we can do, but we actually step out of the boat as Peter did. We climb the mountain as Jonathan did. We you know, go after the, the giant as David did, knowing that we can trust our God. And so I'm gonna read significantly uh, several verses in, G- in Genesis chapter 22. We're looking at, at a familiar story as we're following the life of Abraham, um, verses one through 14. And we're going to start here in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him on a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And here it it is again. God is telling Abraham to go somewhere, but he's not giving him the full directions on how to get there. We know that when the relationship started, Abraham left traveling, and God said, just go, and I'll tell you where to go as you are going. And so again, God says, go to this area, and I will show you when you get there the mountain that I want you to go up on. Verse 3, it says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants, with him along with his son Isaac and then he chopped the wood for a fire for a burnt offering and he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further and we will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And Abraham responds, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. 
Verse nine, when they arrived to the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and saw the ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, People still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. So we're looking at this name. Yahweh Yira, Jehovah Jireh. We sang about it just a little bit ago. And it, it, it means the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And we're going to look at today how he provides, why he provides, and kind of... Um, the situation in which he provides. And when you look even deeper, and I'm not like I struggle with English, and so I don't do a whole lot of Greek and Hebrew study, but when you look at, at, at the root word for gyra, it actually means to see beforehand. And so Abraham is, is saying God pre-saw, he, 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 there, was, there was pre-vision, he saw beforehand, and the pre-vision of God seeing what was in Abraham's heart brought the provision, brought what was needed. And so we're looking at how Abraham, who last week we saw Abraham knew him as El Shaddai, which means what? Here's a little test. You remember? It means what? El Shaddai means what? Anybody? Jesus. I feel it. All right. It means almighty. It means God almighty, that he is um, our all-sufficient, that, that he is all-powerful. And so he has known God as El Shaddai. And at the end of this, he has now experienced God as Jehovah Jireh. And we're going to look at a couple of things here at Genesis 22, verse 2. God makes this, this challenge to Abraham, and he says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, sacrifice him as a burnt offering. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And something you may not know, and something I had known, but I'd forgotten that this passage of scripture is the first time that we see the word love used in scripture. And um, Hebrew teaching talks about that we should pay attention to first mentions, that the first time something is mentioned in the scripture is very significant. And so we've now gone 22 chapters in scripture, and this is the first time that the word love has been mentioned. And it's, and it's not the love that we see in the New Testament with agape and philios and, and eros, but, but this is actually the word um, a have or a, a have, depending on how you want to pronounce it, a have. And, and what this love means is it's, it's the love for or pursuit of something. And then also, this was kind of cool, it's, it's a longing to breathe. It's a taking a breath. And for those of us who are parents, we know that you know, it can be very, very easy for us 
to allow our kids to become the reason that we breathe, that they become our all in all. And guys, I'm walking through a season right now where like literally being a dad, it's like being a, being a husband, being a dad, and being a pastor are the three greatest things that I got to do in life. But being a dad is just, man, it's sometimes maybe a little more fun than being a husband. Can I get an amen? Anybody, right? My wife's, I won't, I won't say that second service. She'll be in here, right? No, I'm just kidding. But, but being a dad is just so much fun and can be, if we're not careful, the reason that we live. And my oldest daughter is getting ready to graduate, and it's, it's, it's a challenging season for us in the more houses we transition from having small kids to now having adult kids. And at the same time, our, our kids can cause us to hold our breath or lose our breath, depending on the season that's going in, right? But, but thinking about this uh, have um, to love for pursuit of something, a longing to breathe. And this is the first time that we see it mentioned because God knows how much Abraham loves his son. And let's think about the first time love is mentioned in the New Testament, the first time love is mentioned in the New Testament is when Jesus is being baptized and Jesus goes into the water and his heavenly father speaks from, from, from above and says, this is my beloved son in him I am well pleased. And so there is something special when we look at this rule of first in the Old Testament. There is something special and significant about the love between a, a parent and a child and God understands that as our heavenly father. And John 3.16 says this, for God, what, so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so what we see taking place here in Genesis 22 is actually a foreshadowing of what our heavenly father will have done for us. And, and when we look at, at love and understanding it, we gotta know like love withholds nothing Love withholds nothing, and, and really, it can cost us everything. If we hold nothing back. Paul talks about this in, in Corinthians. He says, like, love is all of these things. It's, it's not selfish. It is selfless. And so when we love something, when we love someone, we hold nothing back, and we give everything. And God is seeing where Abraham's true love lies. Is it, is, is it with the blessing of the son? Or is it with the blesser of the heavenly father? Is it, is it with the provision of the son? Or is it with the one who provides? And, and I got to thinking about this is, as God is testing Abraham. Because it says that sometime later, after all of this, God is testing Abraham. And, and a lot of time, like we, we think, does, does God tempt? Does God test? God never tempts, but God will test to see where our faith is. And it's, it's never really a test of God's faithfulness. It's never like when, when we go through a test, he's not, he's not testing his faithfulness. But what is he doing? He's, he's testing our faith. A test is not a test to God's faithfulness, but it's really a test of, of our faith. How are we going to line up? How are we going to interact? How are we going to walk with God? How are we going to trust God? And when you look at, at Abraham's story, from the beginning, he left his homeland without really knowing where he was going. Through that journey, he had multiple conversations with God. He had a personal relationship with God. God entered into a covenant with Abraham. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. God provided the miracle son, gave him the promise through which he would have many descendants that would come not through Ishmael, and we'll talk about him next week, but through, through Isaac. 
And now God says, take your one son, the son that you love, the son that I promised many descendants that there would be nations and kings that would come through this son and, and I want you to give him back to me. And we read this over the course. It took me 14 verses, maybe like six minutes to read through this. But Abraham didn't experience this in 14 verses. He experienced this over the course of three nights and four days where, where he's been given this challenge from God, this test from God and, and having to, to go to sleep. Come on, parents, having to go to sleep when you've been asked to give up the child that you love most, your only one, and now you have to go to sleep. And I have a feeling Abraham probably didn't sleep much because it said he got up early, right? It says he got up early the next morning, and so he didn't wait. He did not, Abraham did not wait for three days and like, well, let me, like, let me pray about it. Like, I've asked people to serve in the kids' ministry at times, not here, but I've asked people to serve in the kids' ministry, like, well, let me pray about it. And three months later, they come back like it's just not the it's not what the Lord wants me to do, <laughs> right? And so here is Abraham, and God has said, take your one and only son, and he gets up early the next morning. He doesn't, he doesn't wait. We read it in 14 verses, but Abraham walks through this. So he gets up early, he chops the wood, he gathers the supplies. Then he gets his son and his servant, and they walk on towards the area that God has for him. And he, he builds the altar and he lays Isaac on top of it and he raises the knife. At any point, as you're hearing this story, there's, there's multiple points we could check out. There's multiple points Abraham could have checked out, but he went all the way up to the very point of raising the knife. And with the knife being raised, you know what was already committed in his heart? The sacrifice was already committed in his heart. From the moment that he left that early morning, he had already made the commitment in his heart. And I want to look at a couple other verses in Genesis 22, 5. He, he says this. When they get to the place with the servants, he says, look, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little further and we will do what? We will worship there and we will then do what? Come right back. See, Abraham had walked with El Shaddai long enough and had seen God's faithfulness long enough that he had made up in his mind that even though he was going there to make the sacrifice and to give back his son, that he would come back with his son. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11 says that, that he had already reckoned in, in his heart that, that God would raise him from the dead. Um, and as a matter of fact, that's... That's what happened because in Abraham's mind, in his commitment, in his actions, his son was already dead to him. And, and it was like, that's, that's kind of harsh to say. The reason why is because his commitment to his father, to his God was greater than his earthly relationship to his son. That is so hard for me to wrap my brain around anybody else. Like, think about the relationships that you have in, in, in your life, even if you're not a parent, even if you're the fun uncle or the fun aunt, right? Even if, if, if you've got that best friend that you've been rolling with since like middle school and for God to say, you have to give that up for me and not just walk away, but to end the life as a sacrifice. And that sounds absurd, but somewhere along the way, Abraham had reckoned God's faithfulness. 
And it says this in, in the New Living Translation that, that I read it, as they're walking. And imagine that conversation as they're walking. And, and Abraham says, Dad, we, we have the wood. We have the fire. We have the knife. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says this, and the New Living Translation says it this way, the Lord will provide a sacrifice, will provide an offering for the sacrifice. But I actually like the way the, the ESV and, and the KJV and the NIV say it. They say it this way. It says, Abraham responded, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. God will provide for himself. God will provide for himself. The sacrifice wasn't for Abraham. It wasn't for Isaac. Who was it for? It was for God. And so when we are looking at, at, at God as Jehovah Jireh, we have to understand some things. To know God as Jehovah Jireh, we have to have an understanding of what we have we have to have an understanding of how we receive it, and we have to have an understanding of what we do with it. He said this, God will provide for himself, that everything that we have been given has been given to us by whom? Jehovah Jireh. Everything that we give to him, guess who we've been given it by? Jehovah Jireh. So really, um, we're not giving him anything that is not already his. And so Abraham understands this. God will provide for himself. Everything that we have been given has been given to us by God. We are only stewards and we are only caretakers. And so when you look at Genesis 22, it's really not just about Abraham understanding God as Jehovah Jireh, as the provider, but it's about getting to a place of absolute and complete surrender to him. And that it's when we're at that place, guys, that when we can get to that place out of, out of our control, out of our provision, out of our strength, it is not until then that you and I can receive and experience and understand God as Jehovah Jireh. Because here's, here's what I see in scripture and here's what I've also experienced in my life and in conversations with other people, that provision is often preceded, if not always preceded, by surrender. That provision is pretty much always preceded by complete and total surrender. A surrender of what? Surrender of control that we surrender control for faith. And actually, when, when, when I think about having faith in situations and circumstances, that it's actually much easier for us to have faith when circumstances are outside of our control. It's much harder to have faith and walk in faith when the situations are within our control. Because when the situations are within our control, guess what we wanna do? We want to take the wheel. We want to be in control. We want to try to fix it ourselves. Where it really takes more faith to do this, to say, God, I surrender it to you, than it does to say, God, I can't reach it. You're going to have to take it, right? And so we surrender control for faith. We surrender strength for weakness. 
We put ourselves and we allow ourselves and allow God to take us through seasons and through, through moments and through valleys to where our strength is completely depleted. And it's not until our strength is completely depleted and our hands are off the wheel that he provides faith, that he provides strength, that he, like, like Paul says this in a conversation with God. He says, he says, I asked three times for this to be taken from me. And each time God said no. And God said, it's in your weakness that my strength is what? Made, made perfect. That it's in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Jesus modeled this. Philippians 2 says that Jesus surrendered all his, his heavenly um, benefits, all his heavenly, not authority because he brought that here, but, but all of his heavenly benefits. And it says that he took the weak frame as a, as a human and even humbled himself even further to death on the cross. We surrender comfort and certainty for discomfort and uncertainty. And we think that when we sign up to walk out this life of faith that it's gonna be easy and it's gonna be comfortable. There were a couple of decades of, of, of preaching that, that has really messed up some of the like, current generations and thinking that it's, it's, it's gonna be easy. God's gonna provide all of my wants just by speaking it and just by asking it and just by manifesting it. But, but really, when we, when we walk, we are surrendering comfort and certainty for discomfort and uncertainty. Following Jesus takes us from that. And I, I preached back in the summer um, looking at the life of Ruth and realized that sometimes like we the only certainty that we can walk in is the certainty of our God. We can walk in the certainty of who our God is in the uncertainty of our circumstances. And so when we surrender these things, we have to understand that God is gonna take us out of our comfort zone. Um, and this is where Abraham was at. Sometimes we have to surrender our dreams not sometimes, we always surrender our dreams for God's plans. And that there are dreams that, that he may have even placed in our heart and those dreams were a part of a bigger plan or maybe got us to the next step of his purpose in our life. And then we get to that point and it's not turning out completely how we thought and we have to surrender that just as Abraham in his heart thought, but God, like this is, this is the son that you promised. This is, this is the generations that are gonna come through this son and, and he surrendered that. But God not only raised Isaac from the dead by providing the ram in the thicket, but showed his goodness and his power even more through that. And, and really when I think about like, understanding Jehovah Jireh, our provider, like the God who foresees and provides what we do in this walk to be able to experience God that way is really we have to give up. We have to give up what we love for what we love more. We have to give up what we love for what we love more because maybe what we love, even though God's given, is taking up the space for the one that we should love more. And so, yes, the story of Abraham giving up Isaac is about God providing, but even more so, we have to understand God was able to provide because Abraham gave up, gave up that, that promise. And, and 2 Peter 
chapter one, verses three through four says it this way. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Say everything. Not just some things. He's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Going back to what Abraham said, God will provide for himself. I want you to understand that that everything that God calls you to surrender, he has given to you. That he has given us everything. Say it again, say everything. Everything. We Listen, if, if we are in relationship Christ. We lack nothing to be able to live a godly life. It is there. And can I say this to us, that if we feel like we are struggling to live that godly life, it's not because we lack what is needed. It's because we are not utilizing what has already been given. He has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. And this is something we don't take advantage of as much as we should. He has given us his body to be a part of, to be connected to, to be strengthened by, to be encouraged by, to be challenged by. He's given us what we need. And what we have to do, we we have to come to this understanding. He cannot supply all of our needs unless we come into an agreement with what he wants for us. He cannot supply all of our needs unless we come into an agreement with what he wants for us. Not what we want for us. Because what we want for us may not be what's best for us. And all of our parents say amen, right? We understand that. And, and, and here's, here's what I'm learning the more that I walk with God is that I am so glad that there are things that, that I wanted for me early on. I didn't get them early on because I would have broken it time and time again. But that he withheld until I got to the place to where my wants lined up with his wants for my life. And then when we come to that understanding, uh, I have everything that I need in this moment. And then when I get to 45, I'm gonna have everything that I need to live a godly life. When I get to 55, I'm gonna have everything that I need because as I'm walking through life with God, he is depositing things into my life so that I know him better. Think about where Abraham was at 75. Come on, at 75, God calls him. And then he gets to where his son is an old teenager or a young adult and saying, I need you to surrender him to me. It took decades of walking with God and seeing his nature to get to that point. But when he got to that point, Abraham had everything that he needed in him to be able to say, God, everything that I have is from you. So I'm giving it back to you. And, and, and it says at the end of this, 
at the end of this passage of scripture, it says, to this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And around this same spot is where the first temple of the Lord was built. And then depending on the scholarly debates that you listen to, some people think it was around this spot that Jesus was also crucified. But when you look, Abraham saying, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Everything that we need in life has been provided on the mountain of the Lord through the sacrifice and the provision of a greater lamb in Jesus. That, that all of our promises, we say this sometimes, right, guys, that all of our promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so here's my heart for you that whatever lack that, that you're needing God to show up and to provide, that what is it he may be asking you to surrender to him? Is it control? Is it your strength? Is it a dream? Like, what is it he's asking you to surrender? Because this is, the story is just as much about Abraham surrendering as it is God providing. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, I want to start here, and it says, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. If you're here today and, and you do not have a relationship with Christ, that is the greatest provision that he has and will ever make is the forgiveness and the final sacrifice for our sins, a, a renewed and restored relationship with him. And if you're here today and, and, and you are far from God, You've never had a relationship with him, or maybe you did, and, and there's been a lot of life, and God's distant. This is an opportunity today for you to come back into relationship with him through the sacrifice and the provision that was made through his son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to make any preparations. The only thing that he's asking of you is, is surrender. It's to let go of this life that you're trying to hold on to and surrender fully to him. And when you do that, scripture says, when we surrender to him, we receive eternal life. And if that's you today, I wanna to ask you just to slip your hand up so that I know um, how I can be praying for you. If that's you today, you can just lift your hand right up and you can put it right back down. Awesome. Awesome. Now for the rest of us in this room, um, do this, look up here at me. I wanna, I wanna speak to you. Um, some of you are needing God to provide and I want to pray specifically for you. And I ask you to lift your head because one of the things that I said he's given us is he's given us um, a body to be a part of, to strengthen and encourage one another. And so if you're needing God to provide in this season, whether it's financially, relationally, peace, whatever, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and I'm, I'm going to do this just to look around. It's like, oh, Stephen, you're making me really uncomfortable. It's awkward. I don't, I don't care, guys. You know why? Because scripture says that we are to encourage one another and that we are to bear one another's burdens. And so if you're in this room and you're like, I need God to provide, would you lift your hand? See, that's not so hard, is it, right? Now let's pray together. And as you see the hands lifted, just ask that God would, would intervene um, into, into our lives. Father, we just come to you this morning and I thank you. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you always provide when we understand what you want for our life. 
God, when we surrender to you, most importantly, God, as we surrender our life, and for those that lifted their hands, and even those that maybe didn't, God, you know their hearts, you know their needs, you know what they've walked through. God, I pray that in their seat, as they surrender fully to you and saying, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all that's gonna be said, but it's the start. It is surrender and it is repentance. It is turning away from and it is turning towards you, God. That any guilt or shame that brought them here would just be um, replaced with grace and mercy and just renewal. And Father, for the rest of us that lifted our hands and that in this season and the holiday season brings about so much joy and so much excitement. And, but God, for many of us, it can bring the exact opposite that it brings fear and anxiety and, and just a reminder of what we are lacking. But God, I pray by the hands lifted that, that they would see you not just as El Shaddai, but they would experience you as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And not just provide because you want to, but because you foresaw what is in our hearts. And so God, um, in the challenges and the testing of, of our faith and trusting you, I pray that we would hold on to everything loosely. And then when you ask us to, to surrender, you have given us that to surrender to you. And that we know when we do that, you provide abundantly above and beyond anything we could ask or hope. And so God, we thank you for your word. Let it change us from the inside out and let us not just know you, but God, let us trust you even more. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.